Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I had a branding at Ballard. We're your hosts. Hey. Hi. <laughs> All right. Today, I'm so pumped about our guests because I know them. <laughs> you better be. <laughs> I hope you know them. <laughs> I would get some. I would get some flack at home if I didn't. If I didn't introduce y'all properly. We have Spencer Tunnell and Will McDonald of Tunnell and Tunnell Landscape Architecture. Will is my husband. Hey, Will. <laughs> in case, you didn't miss, Hello. in case you missed that one. So, okay, I have known Spencer for, well, I guess like seven years, since about since we moved here. And I loved reading your bio that you gave me because I actually knew a lot of it, but there were some things that I didn't know. And I'm excited to tell people about them because I think they're cool. And then you're going to have to tell us all about them. We want to hear it all. All right. So. Who is the stranger at the dining room table? (laughs) (laughs) So Spencer graduated from the University of Virginia. I know you're a big UVA fan. Wahoo wah. (laughs) (laughs) And then you moved back to Atlanta. You're from Atlanta and set up your uh, landscape architecture business in 1988. Y'all do, you mostly primarily work in Georgia, but you do work all over I know you all had a project in Maine, done some stuff in Mississippi, and this is what I found out. You had a um, – okay, you designed and built a landscape for an estate in the Danish countryside, which I think is like – What? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. How many times did you get to – okay, well, we'll get to that. And then okay. – <laughs> It's going to be a long intro. Awesome. I like it. <laughs> but then one of my favorite parts is – and I didn't really know this was a thing until Will started working with you – is you you – specialize in the historic preservation of landscapes like i didn't know that was a thing. so i'm guessing I've... it's not like my 1910 house it's more like really old stuff no 1910 is fine oh really it's, all right this thing that's over 100 years old i know yeah, yeah so just, all right all right yeah. sorry you didn't mean interrupt. no you're not interrupting at all but y'all would definitely know some of the places that he has worked on um olmstead linear parks oh, in atlanta yeah. designed mm-hmm. by frederick law olmstead the Father the, land, of, yeah, the father of father landscape, of landscape architecture, architecture, and he also did the Central Park. Yes. Do you know that? And then um, the Boxwood Garden at Swan House, and then the Goodrum House, which Will and I toured yesterday. Well, you've been many times, but um, which is across from the governor's mansion here in, in Atlanta. Buckhead. So okay. you probably driven cool. past it a many times. a time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And um, I guess those are like the three like big well, the, the Rhodes Hall for the Georgia oh, Trust of course, yes. oh, yeah. was oh. just finished um, last yeah. winter. And then um, Ivy Hall for SCAD, yep. which oh, is a, right. kind of an important midtown monument. I mean, in the, an 1875 house. And um, the, and SCAD was able to restore the house I'm and so restore the landscape. I'm so glad they I was worried they were going to rip it down. Yeah, it's an amazing right. place. It's an amazing and really important Queen Anne house in Atlanta. It's beautiful. Yeah. We went we, – have seen that. With the I Jordan feel like you keep looking at stuff and not inviting us. And yeah. I'm feeling oh, a little left Rude. out. Okay. Wait. Okay. Wait. <laughs> right, and then, Darren? all right, just one Very more thing. Good. And then I'm going to, and, and then Will, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, Will. Um, <laughs> I like how you look lovingly at your husband. And, and, and Will. <laughs> well, I, I keep, I keep getting off track. Um, so unusual <laughs> for us. 
Okay, I, you graduated from Georgia in 2007. They're a landscape architecture firm. I you did. have to make your I'm school glad you noise. Know that. Oh, yeah. Do you need to do it? You don't have to. You want to bark? Wahoo. I you sure? declined to do that. Okay. All right. <laughs> Respectable. <laughs> Very well, professional a, of you. Well, y'all are, y'all are woof, dueling. Woof, woof. Oh, there no. There you go. All in. <laughs> um, and I guess you've been with Spencer since 2011. I have. And you're a um, project manager. I am. And, and I've worked yeah. on um, projects that range from large-scale institutional projects all the way to intimate backyard spaces with um, much in between. Mm-hmm. So we do um, a lot of residential work in Atlanta and all over the rest of Georgia, as well as the historic preservation, which you mentioned. But we also do um, parks. We've done urban plazas. Um, We've done work for the botanical gardens. Mm -hmm. Um, We've done multifamily work for condominium complexes and apartments. Um, So we really do everything everything in the world of landscape architecture. We do um, forest restoration is another large thing that we do. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, we need to roll back. Yeah, Let's yeah, yeah. rewind as right, a novice. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just we don't like a listener. What is landscape architecture? Yeah. Sure. Is that plants, walkways, arbors? Like, what, is it the whole... Every single thing? Yes. <laughs> Grading? I mean... So you, you said you do a lot of residential things, too, and people's, you know, normal people, not necessarily someone who owns something that... We have to worry about the integrity of it or whatever. Um, And you guys were talking a little bit before about curb appeal and that kind of thing, which I Mm -hmm. think when most people think about their yard, they're thinking about, okay, how's it look from the street and what am I doing in my backyard? Right? Is that what people think about? Yeah. And like, how do I have have to take care of it? Oh, yeah. You know. That's the worst part. (laughs) Right? I'm not kidding. That's the worst part. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Not if you'd like gardening, I guess. Do, Do people like to mow their yard? Yes. People do? They do. There are people that get great satisfaction <laughs> there out are. of that. There are a lot of men that enjoy like the mowing. mowing their yard. Power tools. Drinking a cold beer afterwards. Mm-hmm. And and individually, it's there's a difference. It's like that's vacuuming. True. It's like getting That's true. It's like ironing. It's very satisfying. In some ways, it, it, some of the same questions pertain, which is um, how do you look at the house? I mean, when you step back and you put you put your eyes into the passerby, what are they seeing? And then you have to also think about, well, what do you want them to see about you? Mm-hmm. So it, it, in some mm-hmm. ways, it, it's the same way well, that you can think about an interior. Everything in the interior is saying something about you. And so... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> every single thing. <laughs> there are no accidents. Oh, um, man. That coat just casually thrown over the back of the chair. What does that mean? Um, so when I when I approach that for myself, it's also, well, what do I want to come home to? And then what can I take care of? And it's, well, do I want to, do I want to spend time mowing this particular hillside when, gee whiz, I don't even use the grass in the front yard, so maybe I reduce it with a ground cover. I mean, you've got a hill in your in your front yard. I do. And it's just planted with Asiatic jasmine. Which because, is a ground cover, an evergreen so, ground cover. And it um, looks good all the time, mm-hmm. all year round. It looks especially good in the spring and summer. And now that it's established, it has few weeds. And since it's on my slope, it's preventing erosion. Uh-huh. And I never have to mow it. <laughs> yeah. 
I also have a you gotta um, trim it a little bit. I have a neighbor who's a city councilman who claims ground cover in Pine Straw areas are international waters for dogs. <laughs> That's See, hilarious. You're not to clean up. That's okay. So, yeah. So, wait, wait, you don't have to pick up poo? Yeah. No, no, I no. You always have monkey. to pick up the what's poo. That, yeah. What's that monkey grass? Is that the Delirium. Delirium. Yeah. yeah. That one, I feel That's like tricky. that one is because that goes down in and you can't find it. International <laughs> area right there. Sorry. No. no if you walk past Karen's house, you better pick it up. She's well, giving us a look. <laughs> I like this is where we went. But the well, other way, I, I mean, if you're in someone's yard, I think you should pick up your poo. If you can get it. Okay, well, here's the thing. If it's like a really thick bed of English ivy, like, what, how, how if you, you can see it, you can't see it. If you can that's see it saying. with your eyeballs, that's pick what I'm it saying. Up. Yeah. If yes, you can't fair. see it, then I'm going to cut you some slack. <laughs> that was what I was saying. I'm, I'm more liberal than the other people in my neighborhood. They get really, really uptight about. <laughs> But so I, I do think about that in a landscape, which is, you know, if, if there's an area that I don't want to cut the grass and I'll put it in ground cover. Mm-hmm. And then if a neighbor's dog, you know, leaves some fertilizer behind, it, so. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. We never <laughs> plant annuals next to people's mailboxes and driveway entrances because we know that dogs will pee on them and kill it. That's right. Interesting. But so it's also, smart. Well, the Brilliant. other thing is it's also a question of scale. And the, this does go to curb appeal, which is so the space formed by two houses across the street is usually maybe 100 and 150 feet. I mean, it depends on the neighborhood, but it can be a significant space. And then you go down and you plant a three inch annual or a six inch annual next to a sidewalk in the middle of a hundred foot wide space. And to me, it's sort of the definition of tacky right but where if you you put a vine on a mailbox like a, a mm-hmm. confederate jasmine or a carolina jasmine or a clematis or you know any number of other plants it's going to grow up on that structure and it's going to be able scale. to protect its the better scale it's going to protect itself from the dog and um and then you you also aren't a homeowner you're not you know out there digging around and <laughs> god knows what god knows what <laughs> that's right you know? I mean, I've, I do have a neighbor who's put pots there, so it ele- elevates the the plants out of it. But scale is still a question. Yeah. But the other is, you know, how do you pre- how is the house being presented in terms of curb appeal? How does how does the planting support the architecture of the house? And I think that at your house, you've done a really good job of enhancing that. Where the the ground cover forms a visual platform that the house sits above, and then the lawn is related in scale to the shape of the house. The plant material is selected because it's complementary to the colors in the house. And then the vines are the romantic at the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, Caroline was talking bit. about her rose addiction. Yes. Go. <laughs> oh, well, I think I've, I think it's thoroughly documented on the podcast because I've mentioned it, it multiple times. But um, I, well, so my mom, like, loves an English cottage. So she always like she turned our house growing up it was a tudor house into like this english cottage basically but she always had something crazy and wild and i don't know i just always liked that so when we bought our house i told will i was like i want something growing up over the the porch the covered porch i think this year's i think this year is our year you flowers this year oh it's gonna be a banner year yeah, I th- well, it's flowered every year, but this year I think it'll touch finally. Ah, so about that. Yeah. How many roses did you say you have? Um, I think our count is up to six. Oh. And she wants to do. I a know, seventh. and I kind of want to do. Well, let's see. We would need to do two. We would. We would. 
So, eight. Okay. Yeah. Well, here, I'll tell you all a little anecdote. So, last night, um, we went on a tour of Goodrum House, which is a Philip Schutze-designed historic home in Buckhead that Spencer um, and one of Will's colleagues redesigned, basically. And, I, oh, my God, it took you, like, what, like, five years? It was well, not to redesign, but the whole well, project. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> right. Wow. The whole project restore, to, I guess. Right. Is Wait, what, what? What this? The landscape. So, so it was the spot? house and the landscape. Okay. So that's why it was a complicated project with that involved mitigating for lead paint on the house and and a, a very very accurate restoration with the interior and the exterior mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So taking a lot of trees out, um, installing a geothermal heating and air system. I mean, it was it a big was, project. I don't even know what that well, means. Wow. Well, basically, your house is heated by the heat, natural heat of the earth. Oh, cool. Like way down. Is that essentially right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> way right. down. Way down. So, Wait, is this all funded by the homeowner? Well, by the foundation that oh, owns the house. Got it. Right. Got it. Okay. Right. Oh. Okay. Anyway, so we're touring this house, and they have the most precious door on, I guess, it's the garage, right? And it has it's the most charming garage I've ever oh seen my God. in my life. I wish my house looked like their garage. Mm-hmm. It's probably bigger than our house. Well, it looks like a chapel. Yeah, oh. it's it's really sweet. Right, and it's right. like a painted brick. Anyways, um, they have a copper awning over the back door. And then, then I guess y'all planted a pair of Lady Banks roses, which are teeny little yellow climbing roses up the back. And they meet over the top. Um, it's, it's adorable. I'll, I'll include a picture. Okay. I'll include a picture. Well, and the, and the Lady Banks rose has very few thorns. It's got huh. little tiny thorns, unlike the New Dawn Rose, which has enormous and wicked thorns. The the Lady Banks Rose, maybe that's why she's called a lady. <laughs> the thorns are hard. To, they don't get you right away. That's the way most ladies are, right? You don't see the thorns. <laughs> yeah, well, we bite our you time. You don't see the thorns <laughs> until it's too late, right? Yes. But um, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's my experience. Uh, but uh, but the but the thorns actually help the rose hold up on a wall or on a structure and or, or on, in my instance at my roof and it because it they, it they basically on. latch onto it um mm-hmm. but the but the garage was designed to look like an outbuilding in a garden and it's got these gothic windows and it's it's a it's an incredible structure it's so charming anyway so that's my latest idea i want to do but that would bring our count up to eight which, wait wait which, wait what is the idea though more well, roses. I want to yeah. plant roses over our back door is the idea, oh. essentially. So you have them over the front and the back. I know, but is that too much? I don't know. I just saw this picture. I well, just you saw should that. ask your husband you. who's a landscape architect. I, I, I feel am. like he might know. Okay, here's the question. How many roses is too many? Am I becoming a crazy plant Before lady? Before it's wanting? a disorder? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. That's it's not too many. I like it. I support the idea. All right. Yeah. I mean, Woo-hoo. we preach all the time. And you do with what you our, love. He's we're nice. we're a happy life. He's That's very nice. Works. We're recently redoing our backyard. And so right now our backyard is basically a mud pit. It is. But it's going to be very, very simple. It's a small space. And so there's not a lot of room to do a lot of planting. So we're going to take advantage of all the space we have. And it's going to be very simple. But like the front yard, having the rows there will create a wild look which will balance the simplicity of the yard and also since we have such a small yard we don't have a lot of room for planting but we have vertical surfaces which we can plant on which um we can take advantage of yeah what are you doing in your backyard if you're redoing what was it like and what are you making it well um we're gonna have to include a before and after it was it was unfortunate we had a (laughs) 
That's how I describe my yard as well. We, <laughs> we had a, a sunroom that was a prefab sunroom that was probably 12 feet by 12 feet mm-hmm. that had glass floor-to-ceiling doors around three-quarters of it. That sounds nice yeah, in theory. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds but lovely. the ceiling was seven feet tall and the roof was flat. Sounds like a... like a. And it has no... Air horrifying. conditioning in it. What and so, it? Like, what is that thing when you put plants? A greenhouse. Oh, greenhouse. And so in the summers in Atlanta, it would just remain a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. And so anytime we had something which we had no place for, we would say, <laughs> let's just put it in the sunroom. Well, we'd <laughs> put it in the sunroom. And then a month later, we go look at this thing that we've stored out there. And if it had any type of fabric or leather on it, it was basically ruined Rough because fried. it was mm-hmm. covered in mildew. And mold, and so it, it was always just leaked. I mean, the whole thing. Was it was just, just bad, and so it was just a waste of space. <laughs> and and then they built a small deck off of the sunroom. Well, it had stairs down to the deck, and then there were stairs from the deck down to the main level of the backyard. And so you have three spaces with three different levels. None so of which were really big enough to do anything. Uh-huh. And so you basically turned a nice-sized backyard into three unusable spaces. Mm-hmm. And so I just ripped it all off in the last two weeks. Okay. He got a wild hair, and he's like, I am going to take – I'm going to borrow a sawzall from my dad, and I'm going to go cut this thing off. And that is almost exactly what you did in, like, two days. It went from being there to- Then he was sick. It did. And then, yeah, then he got sick, but, but, but now one, it's all gone. And But I was able to um, give away all of the glass to a, a young man who was going to mm-hmm. build a greenhouse for himself. <laughs> there was a lot of um, pressure-treated joists that were part of the deck and sunroom. I gave those to my neighbor who's going to reuse them. And so we were able to recycle a good bit of it. Although um, we do have a dumpster in our driveway. We do have now. a dumpster. Mm-hmm. Can I put things in it? No. Sure. Oh, you, you gotta, yeah, I love that you're like, no, but she's like, sure. <laughs> but you got to bring it over and stick it in there oh, yeah, yourself. I'm not going to hand it to you after this. So at this point, we're probably just going to um, put down sod in the backyard and then maybe, um, maybe in the like future we can maybe. do a, a patio space on top. But at this point, um, yeah. the, the sod is going to be a much more yeah, affordable right now it's number just, for us. Okay, question. Yeah. What about the artificial grass, which I'm obsessed with? Oh, yeah. Well, Karen wants artificial grass in her yard. I do because you guys, grass is such a pain. I, I think it, it has its applications. <laughs> oh, Spencer we'll is like rolling his eyes and giving me the side okay, eye. Yeah, let's hear it. Describe your yard. It is on the small side. You have a pool. You've got like a little rock area where you have some loungers. You got a covered pergola. So okay. And then I have grass around those things. Yeah, kind of it. Yeah, but it's it's shady. It's in the back. You're Out looking back. in the front. I don't have a pool in the front yard. No, no just the front yard. No, the grass looks go, great. You should go take a look. That way you can. I need a free console. So the even, only reason you're here is for me to get a free console. So even Frederick Olmsted was completely flummoxed. There's the word flummoxed by what to do with grass in the South, in the North, in in Kentucky, in Connecticut, in Boston. It's clear. This is the grass you're going to grow. It's going to be Kentucky bluegrass. It's going to be fescue. It's going to be rye. It's not going to be centipede. It's not going to be zoysia. But here where Atlanta is, a 1,000 feet above sea level, plus or minus, we've got – it's too hot in the summer for the cool season grasses because there's a divide in the grass world between cool season grasses, which are fescues, rye, Kentucky bluegrass, bent grass, and warm season grasses, centipede, St. Augustine, zoysias, Bermuda. So actually a neighbor of mine said – 
We call that Charleston grass. And it's like only in Charleston would they call it Charleston grass. We the rest do not of the world, sound like that. The rest of the world calls it St. Augustine. <laughs> but in Charleston, because that's where the Ashley River and the Cooper River come together to form the Atlantic, it, the center of the world is, of course, in Charleston. Yeah. But, um, Charleston. But, but nobody, but Olmsted himself didn't know what to do with grasses in Atlanta because, you know, some of it grows beautifully until the summer comes or the grass that grows beautifully in the summer gets to the winter and goes dormant. And I had a friend from Philadelphia here for my wedding, and he he was like, "Yeah, Atlanta's beautiful, but why? Is, what's with all the brown lawns?" Right. <laughs> I was like, uh, "That's winter. the color that they are when they're dormant." And he just he couldn't get used to it. He couldn't get past it. So does so normal to me? Uh, yeah. In Pennsylvania, it never turns. No, but they don't grow warm season grasses because they won't survive the winter. Oh. Yeah, so they, you know, so cold the, grass, and it's like not rye. okay. So and rye. it's not so hot in the summer that the they cool don't season they don't grasses. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Yes, I'm following. So you. it's um, so it's a it's a real problem. Yeah. And there are places of, I mean, we have an application on a project with, that Will has shepherded <laughs> so patiently through many many years, <laughs> many many trials and tribulations. Um, <laughs> it's a big project where there's limestone pavers around a swimming pool with two-inch grass joints. And we came to the conclusion that grass there was just not going to work. So we have, in fact, used faux turf. And it looks really nice. It looks awesome. Now, we've also gone through, and Will did the due diligence, there is a turf that is manufactured with artificial thatch in it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it looks like there's right. little bits of dead and, and little so smalls and tiles. I don't really understand much about women's hair coloring. I understand some women color their hair. I don't understand why they do that. But that the the better jobs of coloring hair involves layers and layers and layers of color. So it's not just one mm. red or blonde or whatever throughout. It it It's layers and it's complex because... It more accurately appropriates or approximates what the sun would actually make your hair look like. The thatch and these artificial turfs do the same thing, and it looks more natural. It's not this homogenous green color. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got not a this carpet. It's got this little bit of of brownish thatch in there, as if it's actually little bits of dead grass. How does it feel to step on it? You don't. You don't because it's only three inches and it's between pieces of limestone. But if you're going to Karen is going to put it in her yard, is it going to feel like plastic under her feet or is yes. it going to feel okay? And that also, feel soft. That's um, funny that they haven't developed that. It doesn't feel soft to me. I mean, well, I can in step the, on in it the application that we're using, it it also serves as the drainage because the the, the fake turf is on top of gravel and and it's it basically. Perks drains the pool water. That so, so it dr- over. yeah, it drains the pool water and the rainwater. It just mm-hmm. perks like a sponge. Um, the first place I ever saw this was at a, um, um, a an incredible estate of a Fortune 500 company CEO, right? At a fundraiser, a, a gala party, and where I was a guest, and it was beautiful, an incredible place where the inside and the outside just merged together beautifully, and I was going to get a glass of wine at the bar, and I realized that these very lovely women in very lovely shoes were standing on grass, and I knew there was something wrong. Something's off about this. Because no woman in shoes that cost over (laughs) 300 bucks a pair are going to walk on grass. They're just not. Sink in, get ruined. And Mm -hmm. so when I realized that these women were standing on grass and 
not even caring, mm-hmm. I was suspicious. So I casually dropped a napkin that I had to pick up. <laughs> Gave a little tug. Scratch, scratch, scratch. And it was, wow. And because it was dusk, you know, you didn't really notice, mm-hmm. except for the telltale sign that women in heels were on it. <laughs> they were comfortable. So it, I do think it has its applications, but it's it's kind of a, I would look for the, the, the type that has that thatch in it right. because it looks more natural. And then the other is um, I think it does better in small areas than in a vast. Right. Yes. You know, sort of the bigger spaces. Because there are seams in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if it's a very large space, you can You're see the seams and the way and sometimes the way that the grass lays down looks funny mm-hmm. in the well, sunlight. You get, a, you get a nap in it. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, in or carpet something. or something. Yeah. And right. it just looks too perfect. Right. Right. Plus, for my yard, you, you're going to look down on it mm-hmm. from up here. So everybody be like, oh, look, there's seam one, seam two. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. if it's around a swimming pool, I mean, that's been a trendy thing to do for a while to plant sod against a swimming pool. And I've always thought that it would looks really difficult to maintain, especially if you have children running around the pool and water splashing. It just seems like a maintenance nightmare. So if mm-hmm. you do have a small area around a pool, you know, I think that I think it could work. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't do the entire backyard in it. Talk okay. to us about why you want the sod. What are your concerns about your yard? <sighs> All of it. <laughs> do I you don't have bald know. spots? Uh, yeah, you know what? I really, I think that my yard was not ever correctly leveled for drainage or something. I don't know. So certain areas of it are mucky. Uh, also certain areas of it, I have what you're talking about, which is sort of like bluestone around a pool and then grass, which is not honestly not bad for maintenance of the pool. Shockingly. The hardest part is when you mow it and then the grass goes in the pool. Into the pool. But yeah. kids running around isn't a problem. But when you enter my backyard, you know, when kids are going through, like, the, I've tried to make pavers and paths and things, but there's always, like, areas that are dirt and I don't know. It just seems like a high-maintenance choice grass is a high-maintenance choice. You get a consultation. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he didn't say free. <laughs> Free, I say. It's on tape. It's on tape. We we tell this with people with interior designers too. They're like, if you can't figure it out, call us. That's what we're here for. Hire someone. That's what they're here for. I definitely need a pro. I have a question. How do and I don't. This might be too much of a. You might need a more exact example. But how do you plan, or how does someone plan for the seasons and the seasonal changes in a yard? Mm. So do you mean like where it looks good all seasons? Or? Yeah, because you mm-hmm. you don't – as many seasons as you can. I get that like in New England they, they know they're going to be covered in snow for <laughs> a right. certain amount of months. But True. how can one, especially here in the south, you know, plan for not a bare yard come fall or – Well, this is, this is something where um, – so my great-grandmother was from upstate New York. <gasps> Yankee. <laughs> um, but moved here when she was first married. So my grandmother grew up here, and and she was the one who taught me gardening. And she said, basically, there is no reason why you can't have something blooming in a yard 12 months of the year in Atlanta. And she's absolutely right. And for me, I, I go back to, you know, the question about curb appeal. It's like, make it appealing to you first. Make it logical. Make it rational. 
which I want to bookmark this discussion, which is the spectrum of rational to romantic. All right. So we'll talk about that later because um, you were talking about it. Uh, no, which yeah. Is, is, is the roses too romantic? And how many is, is too it, far? Is it irrational to have eight of them? In yeah, your exactly. exactly. Nope. But, the, but so what are the plants that you like? And for, for me, a perfect example is at Christmas time, I make a boxwood wreath for my mother-in-law. And it's a big boxwood wreath. It's probably a 24-inch diameter wreath. And it's English boxwood that I grow in my own yard. And I cut and I make, I make this wreath. And I put um, – it's a, it's a grass called Dallas Blue. And it's three or four feet long. And it's got great seed heads. And then I put in – winterberry, which is a deciduous holly. So, and, and all of it grows in my yard except the winterberry. Now I happen to know many parks that we planted it in. (laughs) And so we're able to go around. I'm able to go around when I'm collecting and I get this winterberry from these, these parks and, and no harm is done. No harm, no foul, Mm -hmm. because it's not tons. It's not a holly wreath. It's not a holly berry wreath. It's, you know, six sprigs of this stuff. But it's like, these are the plants that I really want to have for this purpose. And I want to make sure, and I'm going to plant this winterberry, so I've got it in my yard. But what are the plants that mean the most to you? What are the mm-hmm. plants that you grew up with? There's a there's a plant that's blooming right now called um, winter honeysuckle. And it's... Um, Is it that not, yellow one? It's, uh, it's a no. very pale yellow. It's a... A, a flower that is really, I would call, almost insignificant. Most people can't tell that it's even blooming, but you smell it. Mm. You smell it if you're walking the dog. You, you, you know, whether there's international waters or not. You, you, <laughs> and it's an incredible plant, and it gets to be, I don't know, ten or twelve feet tall, and it doesn't look like much, but when it blooms, it perfumes the whole yard. So to me, there's always a place in a landscape for that to be tucked away someplace. But it's. It, it's hard to divorce, for me, it's hard to di- divorce the emotions from those things. There's that romantic thing coming up. Um, because what are the things that you enjoy? What are the mm-hmm. plants that you really want to have? It's like, well, boy, you can't grow delphinium in the South. Well, you can, but it's hard to do. But, you know, a client today was like, I just love, um, I just love sunflowers. And I just love it when we plant sunflowers. And because she cuts them and she brings them inside. And so it's, it's, what are your, what yeah. are your, you've obviously got a thing up for roses and mm-hmm. there's help for that. We can, <laughs> but, you know, what, specialist. there's a, there's a 12 step program. I think. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, what are the plants that meant the most to you as a child? Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, here's a question. If you know nothing about plants and like green side up, green side you, up, what's what? that? What? green side up what when, is you, that? when you plant them. Oh. oh, when well, you plant them, go green up. Gosh. Okay, but no, what I was going to say. I thought there was a website. I'm like, okay, read that down. Google it. I was yeah. too. Okay. <laughs> well, no. we should get that website, Green Side Up. We should just start. Let's see if it exists. I'm going to um, Google it right now. Go, Carolyn. Well, I was going to say, like, do you go to your local botanical garden? Like, how do you how do you even find out what you – like, if you don't know what you like yet, then how do you figure out what grows in your area during a certain season? I did have a client who, who – she and her husband had lived in – Marseille, London, Paris, New York, Boston. They had never owned the, the they'd never owned a yard. And she was from New York and she was referred to me through an architect and she was like I won't imitate her her accent. I could. I, oh sure I will. But she was she just did not know. I mean they were taking down trees and she's like 
you know, could you help me? These people, these bubbas are coming out and they want to take down these trees. And it's just, and she had, she had no idea. She was completely out of her depth. And it's like, they want, they want to take down the, all these pine trees and I need, you know, she needed help. So yeah. wait, what accent were you doing? So there? I didn't really, I <laughs> didn't really go into it. That was the worst accent. What? Why? I mean, come on! I've lived. I've never lived in a house before. Okay, you know, <laughs> I've just come in. Yes. Okay. okay. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sorry. I That's thought awesome. it started out as Canadian. No. 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 But then it was. <laughs> It sounded French at first. Uh, it did well, sound French. Well, her right. husband French Canadian. French Canadian. Her husband go. lived in Marseille, but they had, they'd never lived in a house before ever, and so this was homeownership 101. Now, for her, I was her guide dog into how to live in a house. Right. And yeah, how does one learn? I mean, seriously. Um, there are classes. There are um, the botanical garden master classes. Walter Reeves is a great resource. I mean, there are probably people like Walter Reeves in many communities. You know, the newspaper, um, looking at the Sunday, the gardening columns in the Sunday paper. True. Um, I was reading those when I was 10. I guess you could <laughs> so. always, like, call a friend that is a gardener and, like, but go over there. Let something. me ask this, though. At one point, because usually on, on our podcast we have interior designers, Right. right? And a lot of the podcast is geared around art. If, if you are you like to do it yourself or if you can't afford an interior designer, here are ways you can do it yourself, right? But it, it, for a landscape architect, which is to me an exterior interior designer, exterior designer, right? Right. Okay. At what point does one say, I need a pro? I need someone to come and help me because I don't know what I'm doing. Like from the first moment, like how does that work? Because... I mean, I'm. I feel like I don't know. I mean, I clearly don't know. <laughs> oh, they're stopped. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll take the question. I just didn't want to overtalk you. You got something in there, Will? <laughs> I feel like I something's see the brewing. Wheels turning, but <laughs> I feel like it's got to be once you hate it, right? Like once you're literally like, I don't. Once you well, killed a, a lot of times, there's there's infrastructure and and large things you have to deal with, hardscapes drainage problems, retaining walls, all yeah. that type of thing, you, you you need to hire someone who knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of contractors out there who can fix it and solve those problems. And some are better than others, but a lot of them really need the help of a professional like us who can guide them and really solve the problem and create the best solution you know, for the homeowner. So I'd say that if it's a, if it's a project that there's infrastructure involved, and it's not just planting, then a landscape architect is a very valuable tool to have. Mm -hmm. Here's something I learned about landscape architecture. Like, I feel like when you when I hear that, I think plants, and I think like, oh, like you're like a plant expert. But really the plants, and Spencer, you really are a plant expert, but really the plants are kind of like that final layer. It's like your throw pillow? Yeah, whereas the drainage, the grading, everything else is like... They're expensive mistakes. I can tell you they that. Are. Having they are. Have, having had several iterations of my <laughs> own yard, I can tell you, people, <laughs> listen, get a pro, because you can you can screw around with it. Another several another times reason to hire a landscape architect, and this is something that we do for people all the time, and it's not incredibly expensive, is to do a conceptual master plan of your home. I think there's a misconception that people think that 
once the, the plan is done, everything has to be finished at one time. Right. That's not true. We can plan a master plan for your whole property and you can it can take you ten years to do this, mm-hmm. to implement this. But um But you got your plan. But you got yeah. the plan and we're gonna think all of it through and we're not just starting in one spot and going to the next once we, you know, have this little bit of money or have this time to do it. It's wise to go ahead and have an overall plan before you start work. And so that's another valuable service that um, we provide. And like, well, so, okay, my, so my parents have this huge yard and like planning everything would just, they weren't prepared to like plan everything sure, at once. Sure, it's daunting so and expensive. actually did the, did a master plan of, of these huge garden beds that they- Did you charge them? That was actually a Christmas present. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that yeah, is nice. But- Anyway, my, my so, birthday's coming up, by the way. But Spencer, but Spencer and I did help you'll, them you'll with with a larger, yeah, larger sort of master plan. But the planting for the the front garden was yeah. a Christmas present that I did for them. But so they're they've been. I mean, they're probably only fifty percent done planting everything. But they've been, you know, slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. I mean, it's yeah. a lot of plants, so it's not, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that's a great. That's something I hadn't thought about because you're right because. It does seem daunting. And plants are not inexpensive, and hardscape is expensive. It is. Well, it also know? gets into a question of, you know, what? where do you live? Are you in a city? Are you in a, in a county? Are you out in a rural area? You know, if you live in an area where the land is basically flat and, you know, the topsoil is three feet deep, well, you can pretty much plant anything. Right. And and if, if the ground's flat then and you've got three foot deep topsoil, and there are places in the world where that exists— you probably don't have a drainage problem, but if you live in a complex urban environment, you know, a metropolitan area like Atlanta or Charlotte or Washington, D.C. or Chicago, whatever, there are going to be local regulations that are going to impact the way you use your property. And so um, you can get into trouble if you take down trees without permits. If you pave too much, you can you can trigger fines. If you, so, if you drain onto your neighbor's property. Or... Word. <laughs> Are your neighbors True. draining onto your property? Well, no, we just have like an old wall because our house is a fi- was built in the 50s and they built McMansions on all sides. And so their retaining wall, obviously, like the water runs, hits theirs, then comes spewing through our old one and right. into our basement. Anyway, real fun. <laughs> right. So respect. Right. 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 Yeah. So the French drains have to like push it all the way out to the street. And anyway. Well, another another time that we find that, you know, the, when clients call us is after they bought a new house. I would really wish that they would call us before they buy a new house. Wait, to um, get a consult or what? So they don't buy that house, right? <gasps> this is going to be right. a problem, right? Uh. Because it's it, in in and sometimes it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's it's uh, oh, we've just bought this new house, and da, 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 da. well, there are a couple of instances where you know someone called and said, "Look, we want to move," and we'd done a nice project for them, and it's like, okay, we understand the family's growing, and. Um, they described the house that they were moving to, and I said, "Boy, it's a, uh, it's got constraints. It's got a corner lot. You're not going to be able to do what you want to do on that piece of land. You, you really aren't going to be able to build a pool easily, because you know on a corner lot in Atlanta, the the setbacks don't allow you the freedom." And he listened, and um, and then a week or two later, he called back and he said, "Well, we bought the house." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, good." Um, and as Things unfolded. Everything I said was true. 
But I mean, they were going to buy the house anyway because the interior worked for the family, mm-hmm. and the landscape was something that they had to work around. But mm-hmm. at least they went into it knowing that there were constraints. We run into other clients who come and and it's and they've got drainage problems that are going to be expensive to fix, and the things that they wanted to do with the land are going to be incredibly expensive for them to do. Mm -hmm. And if they had looked at another house, I mean, there there are others where, you know, they, um, I'm not (laughs) going to, I could describe it as a horror story, but it's, it's, it's more, what are the constraints that you, you know, want to get to? And, and just, you know, a a consult before the purchase of a property can make Mm. a huge difference, which is okay. There was one where, Gee, yeah, this is a great lot. You could build a house on it. Are you aware that you're going to have to destroy a septic system and build a new septic tank on this lot? Well, in one instance, I can think that that vacant lot is still a vacant lot (laughs) because they went ahead and they destroyed the septic system without figuring out how they were going to be able to flush a toilet in the new house. And the lot is still a vacant lot. So... um, but they're not all horror stories. <laughs> they're some happy. They're really, they're some happy people. <laughs> really, I think water drainage. To yeah, me, water in general is yes confounding to me. To, to you know the it, damage it, it can do. Well, and how yeah. you know how to control it, how to manipulate it, how to manage it, and mm-hmm. yeah. And you said like if you don't do it the right way, it really messes many things up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I live in the middle of a street. That when it rains, I mean, it's like a river coming down the street. And I feel bad for the poor people who live at the bottom of the street. <laughs> but yeah. even my front, um, you know, there's this, my yard, sidewalk, and then the little whatever you call that. What do you all call that? There's a thing for it between my sidewalk and the street. Well, I don't know. Planting strip? Like on, okay, on let's between just call the sidewalk plant, and the street part. Planting yeah. strip? As we planting all look out the window. <laughs> mm-hmm. The water the verge. is so strong coming down the street. Does it wash all your plants away? Washes all the plants away. Um, you know, everyone everyone's plants end up down at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> Go get your plants, bring them back up, put them back oh my up. Gosh. It's ridiculous. But anyway. So I feel like the moral of the story is buy at the top of a hill. I think the moral of the story is rent. <laughs> There Sorry. you go. Okay. Top of the hill. Okay. Well, no, I was just going to say well, by the top of the hill. I mean. Well, there are water-loving plants that like to live along stream bank- banks that you can plant there. Really? <laughs> I need a simulist. I need it. <laughs> but, it but it's not wet all the time. And in the summer, it's going to be super hot. Will they die? It depends. Depends yeah. on what type of plant. <sighs> I'm really lucky where I live because I have an um, older lady on the corner who's super into plants and gardening. And so she Lots pretty much. How older do you mean, like 55? 78. Okay. <laughs> I was yeah. getting ready to get mad at you. No. no. Um, and she um, is really good about splitting and like bring that. And so every time she like spits or, not, or splits her plants, I've now become like the hoarder of plants. She's like, hi, some more irises. And I'm like, bring them over. We'll, we'll find a spot in the bed. Um, and so that's been really fun for there's about four of us that literally split plants and like trade and anytime they've done like that's so cute. There's some rich people across the street who she she was getting rid of this whole bed and I was like over there all like all these amazing bulbs and like established um, irises and different um, lilies and stuff and so I was like you know 
I'll take this. Like, and so you're doing what you exactly what you want to do in your own yard. Yeah. Is what Spencer was talking about earlier. Yeah. I, well, I don't um, know if you'd probably drive by and be like, what's happening here? But, um, but yeah, I tried to like layer the front beds, yeah, I collect plants. I, I was at a client's house today, and the, there were a blue salvia was growing into their gardenia. And um, the maintenance people had missed that. And so I was just kind of demonstrating to the homeowner and just pulling these things out mm-hmm. and went inside, had her give me a plastic bag, a wet paper towel, I'm taking those babies home. <laughs> That's I do awesome. Like yeah. Then yes, yeah. yeah, you do. I need to look all these up. I need a long list of plants. It, It'll be in the show notes. It sort of looks like lavender a little bit. Yeah. Mm, a little bit. Is that the one that attracts butterflies? Hummingbirds. Ooh, okay. My mom had a lot of this. What if it's in my bed now that you said that? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I got that. Wait a second. Wait mm-hmm. a second. <laughs> so what, it, both of you, tell us, Will and Spencer, what is your favorite plant? Ooh, <laughs> that first. was too deep side. It's so yeah. cruel. My favorite You got to pick one. Well, so my favorite plant is a live oak tree because it makes me think of where I grew up and, um, Where'd you grow makes up? Makes you think of the USS Constitution, old Ironsides. That's what makes you think of. <laughs> well, I, I grew up on in um, Mobile, Alabama, and then we moved to Savannah, Georgia, when I was in middle school. And so both are coastal cities, and both have live oaks with Spanish moss and resurrection fern, and they're huge, tree. stately trees that have very unique form. And um, I've always loved them, and so that's my favorite plant. All right, that's a good answer, Spencer. Top it. <laughs> so cruel. I know. We're mean. We're so mean. mean. Cruel and Favorite unusual punishment. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, like if I was building an ark and I could only bring one plant. Yeah, on you, we'll give you two if you want because oh, of man. Noah, the Noah reference. We're going to let you have okay, two. So, um, so it would be. I want a shrub and I want a bulb. How about that? Agave and. Uh... Oh, agave. Those are cool. <laughs> oh, it's neither a shrub nor a bulb. <laughs> Well, yeah. you got to have corn and agave so that you can have, you know, food as well as drink. Maize. Right, yeah, okay. That's, that's so useful. It's not a good answer. It's not a good answer. Wine I and I don't, I mean, it's, it's, oh. it's a horrible question. So all you've got is agave so far? What about pink muley grass? I don't even know what that is. I like that y'all are telling jokes. And yeah, I'm like, I don't like get it. I don't get it. Like, what's happening? It's not a planned joke. It's just something that I know they've used on a project before, and I feel like y'all like to use it when when possible. It's a fun. It's a fun. What is it? Awesome. We have a I lot of oak leaf hydrangeas. Plant mealy grass. Okay. I don't know. What's it called? It is awesome. Say the it name looks again. Pink muley grass. M u h l y. Okay. Muley. Yeah. And it looks like something out of Doctor. Looks like cotton candy. Looks like cotton candy. In the fall, oh, it turns I love pink. Those I planted those in Maine. They didn't do well. <laughs> <laughs> I killed them. I didn't know the name of those. <laughs> but I think they're really cool. I don't know. Y'all planted one in a project in Buckhead. I know. We did. We did. We we do use it a lot. I mean, it's um, <clears throat> it's an incredible plant, and it's got great, very ornamental flower heads. Ooh. Um, there's a. And this is actually white mealy grass. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's about uh, thirty inches high, and if you can tell, I'm hedging so that I don't have to actually answer the question. <laughs> Do you want to answer this? What's your least favorite plant? Oh, oh, oh I know what oh, else is. That's so easy. Mm-hmm. That's like a plant mm-hmm. pet peeve. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's almost. I'm taking your one. You're not drinking it. 
You almost kept it. <laughs> I'm taking Terrence wine because she's not drinking it. Okay. I just don't want to get him go to the kitchen. Okay. Thanks, Terrence. <laughs> you can cut all that out. I'm there, leaving there, that in. There are plants that I've seen do enormous damage. And, and I, I think that then it gets to a, a question about, um, you know, everything's a native somewhere. So even English ivy, which, you know, has its uses and I've got it growing in my own yard. Um, when it's left to its own devices, it can cause enormous damage and kill mm-hmm. your favorite tree, and, and, <laughs> and as well as white oaks, which is one of my favorite trees. Um, and and people think of ivy as well. It's not going to kill the tree. Yes, it will. It will absolutely kill really? the tree. And so people have developed a sort of um, um, a mythology around it that oh well, the steep slopes won't can't hold together in Georgia without. Ivy growing on it. Well, let's see. The ivy's not native here. Mm. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains on the planet. And somehow those slopes have been maintained for hundreds of thousands of years without even English ivy. If it were true that English ivy was the saving grace for all erosion problems, then and, and any slope that didn't have it on it, then the Appalachian Mountains would be flat. Right. Yes, ma'am. Oh, um, I want to talk about goats. Goats. Um, All right. Okay. They talk about goats and your invasive species. Mm. It, do I need to hire tool. a goat to get rid of my English ivy? You don't need to. But, but they'll a, eat it out in like two seconds. It's a fun way to see them. See it take, <laughs> gone. And they and you get to keep all the fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> no, my dog would eat that. Oh, my gosh. It'd be like a It banquet. would be like a snack. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be terrible, but great. Okay, good. Yeah, Isn't so we've used we've used um, a couple of different methods for the removal of English ivy. One is chemical methods, and it's you know it's kind of a ivy is using a chemical. Ivy is um, allopathic. It 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 emits a chemical toxin that prohibits the germination of other plant seeds. Really? Yeah, so it's using chemical <gasps> warfare. I know. Wow. It's pernicious. Wow. And I don't mean pernicious in the way of like a tropicalia. I mean, I mean pernicious. <laughs> I don't know what any of that meant, but I'm going to look it up later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so to me, it, it sort of depends on the level of infestation of the ivy and in the damage that's being done. Um, you can remove it by hand methods. But you, the, but another way is either using goats or sheep, and um, awesome. and they will. What they don't do is they don't pull the roots out. Now they loosen the roots, but they don't pull it out. So you might have to have the goats come back. They also don't just eat ivy. That's they right. They eat everything. <laughs> well, they it's like they, locusts. They won't eat azaleas. Okay. Goats apparently, uh-huh. when they're babies, if they've been introduced to, and it's, you know. Kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. King, of course it is. King Philip came over from Granada, Spain, right? Yeah, yeah. So, sounds right. So the the above genus is family, and that's the, the family of Ericaceae, which is azaleas, rhododendron, Mount Laurel, Pieris, um, <laughs> other. <laughs> is that funny? It's <laughs> funny because it's so smart that I'm like, tell me more. Wait, I need to write this down. <laughs> it's like, you know, my inner geek is now my outer geek. So. But the, the plants that are, oh, I can even tell you then that Andromeda, which is the common name for Pieris, Andromeda and her and her sister, Lacothwia, which is another plant in the family, Ericaceae. <laughs> of course it is. So, 
Um, oh my anyway, God. So <laughs> these are figures from mythology, and their names drift into the plant world. So, um, I know it's so sad. Oh, oh, Mr. French is whining because he wants to come talk plants. So the so ericace, the plants in the family ericacea are poisonous to sheep and goats. And wow. and if goats are introduced to them when they're young, they'll nibble on them and go, Ooh, that tastes horrible, and they'll never go back to it. Huh. Um, we were on a job site where we were using sheep, and the sheep got into some of these plants, and they died. And it's, I mean, it was horrible. I mean, Don't seizures. Don't you have a lot of azaleas in your yard? I do have a lot of azaleas. So, they, so you're good. I have the ones that bloom multiple times a year. Encore. 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 So they can it, normally the the goat people or the sheep people will fence those out. Ah. So yeah, they um, at the park near my house, Chastain, they um, they had the goats one of the times we drove by all over the hills in there, um, taking care of something, and it was it was cool to like how they section them off and then move them down and mm-hmm. section them off. We just saw that, and where were we? Grant, Grant, Grant park. park. Yeah, we were driving down to the brewery in there. Yeah, and someone had. I have neighbors up the street do it, like two doors down. We've had um, goats one clients who have had parties after the goats are there. So they will sit on their deck and have a party and watch the goats. <gasps> yeah, they invited the <gasps> whole neighborhood to come do. watch them. That sounds fun. Oh, my gosh. Well, kids, awesome. kids love them. Kids love them. But they got, like, they some, a couple escaped, and then they were, like, ravaging through the neighborhood, <laughs> eating everyone's yards. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Well, they also have, they have guard dogs because the animals can be um, mm-hmm. attacked. And so, the, but these guard dogs are fearsome. I mean, and they are bonded. the The ones in the sheep herd were raised, basically brought in as puppies, and so they grow up with the. And they they really don't know that they're not sheep. Oh, that's awesome! That's yeah. So cool. Until somebody's coming after their flock, and then they're like, yeah. "Get away, <laughs> mama bear!" Yeah. yeah. I'm so intrigued now. So you guys, as landscape architects, can hire the goats. Absolutely recommend it. And, and, and ivy is just one of the non-native species that really is. And, and so I, I'm not necessarily a purist. I mean, there are a lot of non-native plants that I really like. But what I always like to look at and we like to do in the firm is to look at what's the environmental impact of planting that plant. Is it a plant that will turn, get loose and its seed will become a pest in the neighborhood? Mm-hmm. And those we steer, steer away from. Mm-hmm. Um, or we do it with extreme cautions to the client, which is, okay, if you're going to plant this, you gotta you gotta be responsible for it, or we're going to come back and take it. I don't know. Is that like what, are, what are some of the common ones that people? Well, so one that one that is is um, Eliagnus is one. It's sometimes nicknamed Ugly Agnes, but it's um, Eliagnus is also called a Russian olive, and it has a gray green leaf, um, and on the back is sort of silvery and. The plant can grow six to eight feet a year. I mean, with these wow. just incredible tendrils, and it'll you know essentially climb trees. As the fragrance, the flower is tiny. It's minute. It's less than a quarter of an inch um, big. It's smaller than the eraser of a pencil. Has a strong fragrance in the fall, and the fragrance is a reason enough to plant it. And there, there are women that will use the tendrils and flower arrangements because it creates this great arcing line. But the seed will set, birds will eat it, non-native birds in particular, and then they will distribute the seed. I won't say how they do that, but they will distribute the seed throughout <laughs> the universal the method. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's one that we have not, we don't use that plant very often. Yeah. Um, honeysuckles and non-native invasive. Um, 
Privet. It's Privet. not native? It's not. It's not? Mimosa is not native. Oh. A lot of these plants that you've grown up with in the South, if you've grown up in the South, yeah. um, are things that you've seen, but they're not native here. Mm -hmm. They were introduced in the 18th century, sometimes 19th century. Privet is a good example. Mm -hmm. um, the If you've ever driven from, and I don't know how local we should be with this, but from Athens to Madison along the um, Oconee River, right? It's the Oconee River. The the floodplains there are overrun with privet, and it and it. Um, the worst thing about the the non-native invasives is that they take up habitat for native plants. Mm -hmm. So that so if you go into a forest, say like Deep Dean Park in, in the Olmsted Parks, the ivy is suppressing the germination of trillium and mayapple and bloodroot and a host of other plants. And that they, they just can't, they can't fight off the ivy because of that chemical that they admit. Mm -hmm. So when the ivy's gone, these plants sit, the, the seed sits in what they call a seed bank. And the, the, until the, the a lot of, some of the seed rots, but some of the seed will remain viable. And when the conditions are right, i.e. the ivy is gone, the seeds germinate. And mm -hmm. it's, it's remarkable to watch that kind of a restoration. Come wow. All right, Will, what's your least favorite plant? Not ivy, I hope. Can I guess? Sure. Okay, there's this is one. The, like the newlywed game. <laughs> Roses. <laughs> I hate them. No, okay, there's a plant that we had in our front yard that drove Will insane. It's a pin hole boxwood. Oh, one. the pencil boxwood. Pencil boxwood. Oh. Is that like the skinny boxwood? Those is. are ugly. It's the skinny boxwood that it never looks nuts. good anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Some people plant plant it in a rhythm along a, a fence line. It just looks terrible. Mm -hmm. People put it in weird corners. Never is it good. because they get tall and they're trying to get height? I think it's because they sell it at Lowe's oh, and Home Depot yeah. for like five dollars. Don't beat this in the Lowe's. <laughs> there was one. I apologize. There was one in our yard when we bought our house, and I think it was about the first thing to go. In the dumpster. I feel like that's a good birthday <laughs> gift. So there was a man that worked worked for us for many years, and he's now a professor at the University of Georgia, and he studied horticulture at NC State. And there was a famous plant scientist there named J.C. Ralston, and he developed many, many plants, the Leyland cypress and I think not the Bradford pear, but a, a number of plants were introduced. And so you have plant scientists that are developing. A, a famous example was the people trying to develop a black rose. Or a very mm -hmm. deep purple rose, mm -hmm. and and it's a weird thing. I don't know the biology of it, but but plants that are or in the sort of the in one spectrum of the color wheel won't show up in the other. So that roses famously red into yellow and white, you don't see them in blue, and the same is true in in, in many other species. So. This guy, a lot of these plant scientists are trying to produce these things. And it's sort of like, okay, we've got to cross this with this and this. And this. So, so you've heard of a liger, right? Which is the forced mating of a lion and a tiger, two mm -hmm. different unrelated genuses, which isn't supposed to happen. So the Leyland cypress is that. It's mm -hmm. the forced mating of these two unrelated species. And... Um, and I, it, it was, I believe this, I got this right, is that the the man who developed it after it a, a, attained great popularity said that that's the only plant that he is sorry that he produced. Wow. The pencil boxwood? Or the no, lay of the cypress? Right, right. Because it had become 
the sort of the go-to answer or solution, you know, in, in their fads. I their probably fad, have it in my backyard. Their fads in, in their fads in interior design, their fads in architecture, their fads in landscape architecture, in horticulture, and that was one of them that was seen as this is the solution. Well, sort of like with Dolly the sheep that was produced in a test tube, right? Mm-hmm. That there are things when they, you know, when they go out and fool Mother Nature. Well, Mother Nature was so fooled that when it gets a disease, there's no way to fix it mm-hmm. because. Wow. And so the, the same is true with Leyland cypresses. Here's my question. Aren't there enough plants in the world? Like, there are so many plants in the world. Why do we I would say that about ones? sheep, too, though. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be <laughs> like saying, there, aren't there enough songs? Well, okay, fair enough. Aren't there enough poems? Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. You don't like screwing with the genetics. No, I don't like, I don't well, like I just, to. I mean, I, mean I, I, I wonder why, you know, it's like, yeah, you can teach a poodle to walk on its hind legs but it's never going to do it with grace and ease <laughs> and so i mean i love a rose but do we need a black one like if you want a black flower like plant tulips or black anemones or something else that comes in black like <laughs> why do we have, have to have every color of everything i i think it's a good question because people because people will buy it <laughs> what's what's your least favorite plant karen Mind you, those Apparently, it's grass. Is it grass? It's it grass. might be grass. I don't know. I have a, a bush at the side of my house. I hate this. I don't like holly. That's something I don't really there like. They they don't feel good. I don't think they particularly look good. You touch them and they hurt. And I feel like people plant them a lot around their houses, and they're not friendly. I don't like holly. Okay. There are Taryn? many different kinds of holly. Yeah, all right. Wow. So a traditional holly that pokes me. I don't like that one. <laughs> and this ugly bush I have on the side of my house. I hate. Anyway, you. I Taryn. hate those the beds of like pansies right by the mailbox that my dog always seems to trample. And as I'm like trying to like mm-hmm. drag his ninety pounds away from it, and then I'm like, sorry, those are ruins. So sorry, <laughs> sorry. Annie peed on I, it. I did that. We took care of that. Yeah, <laughs> that was me. Yeah, that's what it always feels like. This one house, he always likes to mar- mark the boxwood as we walk by, but they have little pansies around it. And every time I'm like, don't you do it. And I hold on tight. And every time. Why don't you cross the street? Because there's no sidewalk on the other side. Oh, okay. Oh. And it's a busy street, so I'm not going to stand like yeah, go yeah, around yeah. it. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But you, Carolyn? Yeah, Carolyn, what do you hate? I don't. Or dislike. She hates nothing. Vehemently. You won't offend plants. No. No, I'm I'm just bl- drawing a blank right now. But, you know, it's something that I feel like everyone likes that I don't really like. Aspidistris. I don't know what that is. What it's is like, it? man, big, I've been Googled so much. I know. It's called I cast know. iron plant. My parents have it in their garden. I just, Wait, cast iron? Cast, no. Cast iron? They're no. like huge leaves, but they are true. It's, it's, a, low, it's yeah. a low plant with a really long single leaf and it grows oh, in the shade. Oh, I got those. Right oh, by I don't like a, those It's either. a very southern garden you mean, yeah. plant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, See, we took those from my neighbor. She was like, you want some of these? I was like, yeah, bring them on. I mean, I'm sure in plenty of applications they look great. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't You're allowed to not like them. I also, I'm sorry, Taryn. I also don't love azaleas. I don't which, either. Which it's okay. not southern to say that. Mobile I, is the Azalea City, so I uh-uh, I guess mine Georgia. Okay. In my house. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> mm. All right. So what? the azaleas, the azaleas you don't like, uh-huh. are the Asian azaleas. <gasps> They're native to to East Asia. Uh-huh. Now, like the, the reds. So, There's others we like. Well, you there might are native not, you, If you ever heard of the plants that people called wild honeysuckle. 
I have one in my backyard that's orange, like a wild that's, azalea. Or something. Yeah, I love that's, that that's thing. That's a it's native azalea. Beautiful. It has orange flowers. Yeah, I love yeah, that yeah, thing. Yeah. I kept it when I ripped everything yeah. else so out of my are, yard. Those are the so I'm, I'm going to get the term wrong, but there's there's basically similar plants occupy similar niches in well across the globe. So that the reason why these Asian azaleas native to Japan and China will grow in Atlanta is not because it's exactly the same latitude, but the climate conditions are similar. So that there's a there's a similarity in the way the the animals have adapted um, to those climate zones. And so the plant hybridizers or the plant scientists or in you know the in, on discovery in the 18th century a lot of times. They're bringing them back and, and sort of like the zoos are being populated, they're bringing them back to Kew Gardens and the Exbury um, azaleas is one class that the plant <laughs> hybridizers went through. There's, you know, Michaud, famous um, plant explorer, William Bartram from Philadelphia, famously came to Atlanta, Georgia, not Atlanta, um, the Altamaha River, which is where they found, well, the the... <laughs> Franklinia Altamaha, so it's named for, um, or Altamaha is named for Benjamin Franklin. And and he brought that back, and that plant, or the descendant of it, is still growing in Bartram's Garden in Philadelphia. So there's this huge age of plant exploration. And what was it, The White Orchid, the movie uh, with 10 years, 10, 12 years ago, um, that was about finding this this special orchid in Florida. So plant plant research and plant science is is a real thing, but so the azaleas that you dislike, interestingly enough, are the non-native ones, mm. and the ones you really are saying, you know, I really love these. These are native plants. Interesting. So. Yeah, my native one is gorgeous. Okay. Oh, I well, I'll take a picture when it blooms, and you'll be like, I'm so jealous. Okay. And it does have like a honeysuckle bloom. Right, right, right. It's really pretty. Yeah. It's kind of a loose flower. Right, right. Mm. Yeah, and it's not a honeysuckle at all. It's just that there's a similarity in the way the petals are shaped right. and the way the stamens and pistils exactly. emerge from the flower. Okay, yeah. here's a question. What? Should we do our dilemmas or do we have, do y'all have some... some? Mine's just, I hate my yard at the end. It's <laughs> <laughs> no dilemma. It's just I already fact. asked mine and you already asked yours, Taryn. Do you have one? Do you have a dilemma? We worked our dilemmas into this episode. Or okay. No, I have I, lots of dilemmas. I have a question. What up with red pine bark mulch? Why are people using that? It's not I'm cute. Will answer that one. Go, Will. It's a visual dilemma. I think it's just it's a matter of taste. It's not a dilemma taste. at all. It's a matter of taste, I believe. But and the lack they, they may red. like it. It's their house. They may think it's beautiful. But it's, but it's not. Very jarring. I, I think not we my should guide either. everyone away from it, don't you think? I do, too. I, I agree. It's yeah. the same think, price to get it, brown? I don't find it a, to be a dilemma at all. Just like, Aunt, don't, just do a, don't do it. Don't do it. Do, no, it's yeah, a just, don't do it. Exactly, yeah. All right. It's a landscape don't. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I have about 30 pine trees Cut them in down. my yard. So that's constantly covered in pine straw and pine cones. Is there any solution other than cutting them down? You can say no. Why I can't was just you chop them down? Because they're like three grand a tree. Oh, are they? Do really the math. Yeah. Tree it's not too. three grand yeah, a tree. And you can but start only a if they're pine six inches. Company. If they have to be six inches, my neighbors or bigger, take it right? and fill their beds. Cut the ones that are six inches down. Nope. None of them are six inches. No. I take but it. if you get saplings and stuff, chop those things down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. So were they growing in a lawn? Yes. So you could change your cultural practices, which is. 
<laughs> Tell me more. If you're beating your head against a wall and you wonder why your head stopped or why your head hurts, yeah. gee, if you stop beating your head against a wall, maybe it'll feel better. So just get rid make of it a big bed. Or one oh. big bed. Get rid of the grass. Oh. Yeah. My neighbors would hate me even more. Why? Because why? then I'd just have one. It'd be my whole. What you going to landscape it? Oh, your front yard. It's my whole front yard. Yeah. But and you then could plant azaleas and dogwoods and redbud. Ground cover, English ivy. May just apple, <laughs> bloodroot, trillium. Well, the ground cover is so going to be the pine So straw. many good ones. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oak leaf hydrangea, bottle brush buckeye. You could have something blooming all year round. All year round. Mm. David, I hope you listen to this episode. <laughs> who, who benefits the most from your lawn? My neighbors who take the pine straw. Yeah, no one. No one. Right now, no one. Yeah. No one does. But no if it was beautiful, it. you and your neighbors would benefit. Oh. But, there, but what, what, it, what I hear is that, that, that there's a, this cultural, this, this collision between the maintenance that's required to keep the lawn mm-hmm. looking pristine mm-hmm. in the presence of a tree that is going to drop needles yeah. multiple times a year. Yeah. As well as cones. And look, I grew up in a similar so lawn. So many cones. Where... I had to go out with, you know, garbage bags to pick yes. up pine cones on a regular basis. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, it's um, – and it would have gone back to forest really easily. And I didn't play in that front yard. I did some, but yeah. you know, after a certain point, it's like – What are we trying to do? Right. Yeah, don't right. fight it. Don't fight it. The other is we have in the back, we have a big bed of English ivy with pine trees in it. And once a year, I go and cut it back so that around all the trees so that it doesn't climb, up the, climb trees. the trees. Or I usually have to rip it down from the bases of the trees. That was my other one, but probably I just need goats to get rid of it, is I'm guessing what y'all would say. Is it a steep slope under there? It, it's not a slope at all. It yeah. is a pretty flat backyard, yeah. so yeah. we could. I mean, yeah. it was just there, so we try to maintain it into a bed. Yeah. Okay. And then is Bring there on any, the goats. Bring on the goats. Will they eat my fig tree? Can we tree? come over and watch them? You have a fake tree? Fig tree. Oh, fig. fig. <laughs> like, there's a fake tree? Let me have to um, fence it off. Okay. Yeah. My dog eats the fig tree. I don't know if you have a solution for <laughs> the that. The tree too. or the figs? Um, well, the tree trying to get the figs during the summer. They started to bloom already, the little bitty buds of, of figs. And I already saw them over there. I was like, stop it. Those are all my my dilemmas that I think I I can I I think we solved them. Yeah. You did actually. Mm -hmm. I had you you're correct. I'm beating my head against Yeah, don't fight it. Well I want to see the goats if you get them. Yeah can we come over and goat party if we have if we do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. If the goats actually get rid of the ivy I could sell this for sure. (laughs) And they may have to it won't be, you know, one and done. They may have to come back, or you may have to go in, and they'll disrupt. They're they're great disruptors. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that going on right now in the world. A lot of of disruption. Um, But so they'll disrupt it, so then you you can more easily pull the ivy out of the ground. Okay. Or bring them back for a round two. I mean, it's it's me that's pulling it out the rest of the year. I'm literally, like, dragging it from under the porch, like, where it's, like, grown and then, like, If you think about it, when we did it in this one client's house, it was as as fall was starting and cold weather was starting, so the plant's going to be more stressed, and it's going to get even more stressed because somebody's eating it, and then it's trying to regenerate and come back, and it's getting colder, and days are shorter, and there's less light, so the plant's stressed. Then you bring the goats in again, and, and then they're like, oh, man, I can't do this. All right, so in the fall, I'll have a goat party is what I'm hearing. <laughs> All right. 
Got it? Sounds Don't good. Don't let me forget All right, go drinking party. Yay, go. <laughs> go Okay, so <laughs> all right. So even though you guys are not interior designers, we we kind of feel like you have good taste. So you're going to help us with a dilemma. Yes. You are designers. They understand scale, just not yeah. interior yeah. designers. Okay. All right. So this one is from Hunter, and she says, "I love the podcast. I have started working on our bedroom, a long neglected space. I just got pillows and a bed skirt made. I love the fabric." I wanted to ask for your opinion on bedside lamps. My husband and I have bedside tables that are at different heights. He is very attached to his, so it must stay even though it is really too small in my opinion. Mm. Should I look for a pair of matching lamps or a larger and a smaller lamp to give an illusion of our tables being the same size? Our swing arm lamps that could be mounted or... Or, or swing mm-hmm. arm lamps that could be mounted to the wall. Are there ballet products you would recommend? Any advice is appreciated. And then she says, next up, I need to paint and work on art for the big bare wall behind the bed. Feedback welcome in those areas as well. Hunter. So Hunter is a, is a friend of mine. Is she? Did you know that when she submitted it? How did you figure out this was your friend? Or did she say? Well, she texted me and uh, said, I'm about to – she is a – real." She listens religiously to the podcast, mm-hmm. and every time I see her, she is like, oh, I love this episode, and I know what's going on in your life. I don't even need to catch up. Anyways, <laughs> it's really fun. So um, so will you know Hunter's husband? Yes, I do. A good friend of mine. And how is his design aesthetic, would you say? He's a very practical He's a um, very well, accomplished practical. mechanical engineer, mm-hmm. and I'd say so, that his, his um, aesthetic style- practical. Is very practical. Yes. yes. So the fact that she had a bed skirt made is probably out of his realm He's like, already. what are you doing with that money, lady? He's like, why do we need that? Yes. Like, what's the bed skirt for? Yes. What's what's the function of that bed skirt? Yeah. It hides, hides dust bunnies. Well, he's like, we could put a sheet down That's there. True. Exactly. Probably, yeah. Also, Will was teasing me because the other night because he's like, I already know what you're going to say. Oh. <laughs> I do. And, the, and he was right. All right. So say, what is it? <laughs> yeah. So I... Was just feeling like she needs some drama, and so I felt like some big, like a colored lamp that's like a big scale would be pretty. Mm-hmm. However, then I realized this is actually a very, very tiny bedside table, and so if she had a big lamp over here, yeah, he would not be thrilled that there was no place for him to put anything. Mm-hmm. So, and she did say his table's small. Yes, mm-hmm. it is small. And I did. I emailed her and I asked what the height difference is, and it's actually only two inches, so mm-hmm. it's not like super drastic. But I think she needs to do the swing arm lamps. You do? Yes, because they'll be the same height, mm. and he will have plenty of space to put whatever he needs on the surface. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's just also, I have some swing arm lamps, and y'all, they're the bomb. Mm-hmm. They're so practical, but it's so handy. I feel like, what's Hunter's husband's name? Harris. Harris. Practical man Harris might not be interested in having an electrician come over and installing... Well, some you lamps. Can do some you can do that. The... Are wall, just wall mounted. Yeah. Um, which you know, I, I they do have like, the little things that cover the cord to their. Yeah, I, I don't think that would look bad at all. Um, I say I would, she, she just swaps the lamps, <laughs> moves them. I know she's the got boxes. the yeah she's got the tall lamp on the tall table and the short lamp on the short table. I say get two lamps that are impactful but not big footprint mm-hmm. so you get a tall lamp with like a cool shade and then put yeah, good shade that match and then put his on a book 
that's yeah, two nice. inches tall, yeah. and then they look. That's going to yeah. visually make it look like it matches too. Yeah. I mean, they're they're yeah. I mean, I feel like they're both matching. I think is what we should do. Yes, both think, good solutions, but go match. I mean, yeah, I, the swing arm lamp is definitely the more expensive expensive option, but it we have our bedside table is probably about the size of his. Ours are matching, but they're like about eight, eighteen inches, mm-hmm. and I swear I fill that thing up like. I got oh, yeah. cups and I got my iPad and I got my dish for jewelry and like there's a yeah. lot of things. So if I had to also have a lamp. I mean, oh, you have a swing arm over your bedside table. Yes, yeah, over yeah, my yeah. bedside table. Mm-hmm. So it's just if you have a small table, it helps to Corral. actually give you space to put things, which is the point. But but yeah, it is more expensive. But, you know, Harris it's more is of a, a commitment. Yeah. I bet Harris is pretty handy. You could probably do those. What kind of art would you put over the bed? Yeah, I that's a good question. I mean, we have some really good like marsh inspired blue and green kind of paintings that we sell. Mm-hmm. And knowing that they are in a coastal town that those marshes might speak to them. But you've got, you've got the inside knowledge on that. I know. I I, I, I think <laughs> something round would be nice cuz everything yes. seems sort of square. Round would be good. You're right. Something soft. Plus a mirror. A juju hat. Is inexpensive. I which love I think mirror. he'd like. It's going to be mm-hmm. less than art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Add metal into the room too. Yeah, a little a shine. Material. A little shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. There's like a big that. wood bed and wood side tables. Uh, Spencer, you gave nothing to that. Okay, I just want to point yeah. that out. <laughs> do, y'all, do, y'all need a, do y'all need to chime in? We welcome your ideas. <laughs> if they had a picture of the front yard, he might be able to. No, right. you know, we, I, I talked earlier about how uh, you know the yeah. theory about asymmetrical um, furnishings around a bed. You know, if, if, if you're you want to you want to you know I, I'm single, and if I want to get if I want a partner, then what I need to do is get you know I, I got to get my bedside tables matched, and then you know my next wife will be. Where right did there. you hear this theory? <laughs> It's feng shui. Crazy.com. Is it feng shui? <laughs> Crazy.com. Keep all the crazy on the inside. Uh, right. I don't know. <laughs> Might be leaking out. <laughs> There's just told. so much of it that you I've can't hold told. it all in. I know. It's like, <laughs> I think this goes back to what you said. What do you want to see when you enter this room? Are you looking at the lamps? Are you looking at the bed skirt you just had made? Are you looking at the art or mm-hmm. mirror over the bed? Mm-hmm. I say pick up some of that fun color from that bed skirt and get mm-hmm. some really great lamps. Yeah. Or in the shades. Even she, if she did the, the scones like you're saying she could do in the shades. Well, the other, yeah, the yeah, other is, a, is kind of a question of are they clutter people? So for me, any time I have a flat surface, it's Fills likely right going to attract stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the only way I can limit the amount of stuff that is on my bedside table is to have a small Square yeah. footage mm-hmm. bedside <laughs> table because otherwise it's gonna get full. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. It's fair. Yeah, yeah. It, it it requires constant maintenance. I think a bedside table because it can become a dumping ground really quickly. Yes, and you have to just mm-hmm. always get that stuff Rigorous, and put it away. Constant Rigorous. vigilance. Constant <laughs> vigilance. We didn't know a tidy home was so difficult. The only thing I would just add is like she should like whatever she puts over the bed like make it a big scale yeah exactly like it needs to you're right fill up at least three-fourths the width of that bed the yeah. width of that bed so do yeah. you go with a painting that's more dynamic or more pastoral i don't know depends what she likes yeah well, i mean back to that it's back to that spectrum of rationality and, ra- and romanticism here's the thing that i know <laughs> about hunter 
Mm. I feel like she is not quick to decorate a space, but when she does it, she does it right. Mm -hmm. So I could see her finding an amazing painting that she really loves mm -hmm. and being like, this is my one splurge thing. Yeah. And falls in love. I mean, maybe she doesn't want to do that here, in which case that's cool, but. I would I do buffet me. lamps just because Agreed. They're, they're, I have buffet lamps on mine, and like you said, put a book under one of them to make it the same height, do a cut, fun colored shade, don't take a lot of space. Spencer doesn't know what a buffet lamp is. It has a small, tiny footprint, and it's tall. Uh, it's a thin... Not like that. Like the one over there in my living room. Kind of like the uh, one that she has. Yeah, so uh, it's tall, yeah. but skinny. But just because it doesn't have a big footprint. So the idea is then she could have the shade even, the same fabric as her bed skirt, even if she like mm -hmm. was that kind of person. Because the thing is, she has a bed that has a lot of impact visually. It's a wooden bed with kind of like high posts, and it's dark brown. And so that's already commanding. And so those lamps... You know, they could be pretty tall and still not yeah. dwarf the bed or anything. So it's yeah. there's a lot of lot of go a lot of look in there. But the swing arm would be pretty too. Mm -hmm, Just true. more. Either one is going to be awesome. More expensive. Yes. So I've got I've got a question. <laughs> yes. It's a decorating dilemma. What? Mm -hmm. Oh. I know. Hit us with it. <laughs> All right. So I hear that nowadays people are steering away from brown furniture yes we talk about it a lot oh, yeah it's been a and big you know the, the it's the, our fault the millennials ruined it right <laughs> so that like the rice bed that i have that's like no no nobody would use an 18th century rice bed anymore i don't know what that looks like describe it to me it's um it doesn't it's have like posts bed. yeah, yeah. Oh, post. okay yeah, yeah. The, it's elaborately carved with emblems that are reminiscent of the rice fields outside okay. of charleston yeah, don't listen to them. That's exactly. really cool. You Plus, should. brown furniture is coming back in. Is yeah. it? Hold on. Here it comes. It's just if everything in your room is brown is how we've kind right. of talked right. about it. Mix it, it up a little. If it's all brown, then your room looks brown. Mm. Like I have a room that's all brown. It's not a good idea. It's really <laughs> She has wood paneling and a brown leather sofa. And I still And she married, has brown hair. So that's what I was going for. <laughs> so and when you're in there, we can't find Taryn. <laughs> yes. Where's Waldo? <laughs> Ugh. We, but yes, your bed sounds very cool. So no, yeah, keep that forever. Yeah, yeah. don't get rid of it. And who cares what what people think? You yeah. do what you love. What gives you joy? Well, that's like that's the whole point of this. Full circle. Yeah, that's what I said that's about true. Curb appeal. Mm -hmm. That's true. I'm covering like my we, yard in English ivy. I'm, go, I'm going done with grass. Bye. <laughs> See you, grass. <laughs> Right, Caroline, wrap this up. I feel like we're good. I feel like on that note, we, we've we talked about it all. Um, would y'all like to tell people how they can find you? I know you've got an Instagram and a website. We do. The website is tanel-tanel.com. And there you go. Instagram is the same? No, it's uh, tanel and tanel. And it's ampersand or the word and? And, the word and. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Follow us. One of their one of their coworkers cohorts drives a drone around, and those well, are some really cool Instagram flies. Instagrams. Flies. Well, yes. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah. There's some yeah. good. He's a there's very some good tiny man. There's, there's some very good aerial videos. <laughs> he in, fits in that drone. He's like little man. We're all going to be riding drones, and before long, it'll be just like the Jetsons to get to work. If we're riding drones, aren't they just sort of like airplanes then, or helicopters? <laughs> it's more like think of the Jetsons. Okay. Yeah. Will you um, continue on your Instagram to um, post photos of flowers and plants and say what they are? That'd be great. That's a request. <laughs> there you go. Taryn yes. wants some education. We will do that. I yeah, want to be educated if I follow you, which I am. All right. Cool. Yes. 
Well, that's our show. <laughs> Wow, we're smarter than we were an hour and a half ago. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. Guys, we really want some more reviews because good that, ones. Yes, good ones, obviously. But that helps people find the show and that helps other people figure out that we exist. And, and helps that. us to make sure we're talking about what you want us to talk That's about. That's true. True. Very good point. Thanks, Taryn, for being a mature person. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> you can find the show notes for this episode at uh, ballarddesigns.com slash how to decorate slash podcast or just how to decorate.com slash podcast, either one. Um, and subscribe. We would love that. And send your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net and we'll answer them on a future episode. Yes. And until next time. <gasps> Thanks, Caroline. Happy decorating. Happy decorating. <laughs> Thank you.